did you like get the interest for like Irish history and all the stuff that you you do on your social media page? Uh, how I got interest from the start, I think, was probably fairly heavily influenced by my father. Uh, my father's mad into Irish history, and he's he was always like talking to me about when I was a young fella and stuff. And I didn't really care that much, I suppose. But then when I started learning it in school, I kind of got curi- more curious about it in that kind of way. And then after school, I started studying it myself and I started learning a lot of the stuff that you don't learn in school. And then it got way more interesting. And I just went down like an absolute rabbit hole, basically. <laughs> like a- another thing was uh, Rebel Songs. That was a massive influence on me Like because I-, I play music myself. And uh, I started looking into like the history behind some of the rebel songs as well, because I was like, how are these like, why are these songs so popular? Do you know what I mean? I know they're deadly songs, but like there has to be more to it than that, you know. Um, so I started looking up the history of rebel songs, what they were about, what they were written about. I started posting videos on that. And then everyone was just like loving it, I suppose, basically, do you know, because we don't really learn the history behind the rebel songs, do you know what I mean? As much as we love them. And then that just took off completely, just took off online. And then a lot of people were kind of looking for more history videos rather than just rebel songs. So I kind of just got into doing history videos that way. I didn't really even plan it, you know. My my whole channel was about Irish music. And then more people were just looking for history. And I was like, right, I'll do a couple of history videos. And then now I'm after transitioning to basically doing nearly only history videos. I'll do the odd rebel song and that kind of thing. But... Yeah, it's it's fairly wild. Like it just took off on social media in the last year. Yeah, and uh, you know when you said like, um, you kind of started reading into the stuff that you didn't learn in school. What kind of stuff do you mean? Like, I suppose what you learn in school. Like, I'm not saying what we learn in school isn't right. It's brilliant. Like, yeah. but I suppose what we learn in school is more of a summary. I suppose. Do you know what I mean? As in, you don't learn the fine details. And for me, anyways, the fine details was the most interesting part. Do you know, like I'm mad into the War of Independence. That's my favorite part of Irish history. So like learning about ambushes and all that kind of thing and then visiting the spots like where they happened. I love all that stuff. I didn't really learn that in school. Do you know what I mean? Because in all fairness, like studying Irish history is like a lifetime worth of work. So in fair, in fairness, in six years in school, you can't go too far into it. But uh, yeah, I suppose that's the stuff I, a lot of the stuff I teach online is like the likes of War of Independence ambushes and all this kind of crack, like the IRA and the Black and Tans and the Auxiliaries, all this stuff. Because, you know, in school, they didn't go into that in huge detail. So I just became obsessed with that then when I first started learning it after school, you know. Yeah. And you visited a lot of the places where like the likes of ambushes and stuff like that. That must be, that must be fair interesting. Oh, it's unreal. It's unreal. I love it. Like, I love it. That's what I'm doing now this summer. I'm traveling around a good bit to different ambush spots. I was down in Cork there about three or four weeks ago. Went down to Clonmult in East Cork. Went to Bell and Blah. Went to Kilmichael as well. Kilmichael is some spot. And that's the most the most surreal experience I had, definitely, of all the ambush spots. is definitely Kilmichael. Because it looks... Have you seen the wind that shakes the barley? Yeah. Yeah, so it looks... as basically the exact same as that scene when the ambush happens it's just to stand there on the hill like by the stone where the lads were looking out on the hills like it's unreal that's like the best experience i could like i've ever had now so far is come michael it's unreal oh jesus and then you oh you're in bail the blah that's where columns was killed wasn't it yeah 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 i, I wish there was a bit more work done with that one actually because kill michael is unreal they have like loads of uh 
signs around the place explaining exactly what happened here exactly what happened here it's you can literally just walk through the whole place to learn the whole story but um yeah and building a blog like a bit of a letdown to be honest with you like it, there's nothing really there do you know what i mean there's, you have the monument then you have like um a bit of a plaque there with that tells you a bit of story but it's not that well laid out like you know they could have done so much more with it maybe it's because like I suppose it's, it was such a sad time, like the death of Michael Collins. Maybe they didn't want to have a huge amount of detail in it and go too far into it, maybe. Do you know, because it's not a celebration exactly. Do you know what I mean? Like, but uh, yeah, that's the only one. Like, I, I wish they'd done a bit more work on that, but it's, it's still cool to go down there and experience it anyways, though, yeah. yeah. And uh, in the, I know, like, you can never really gauge out from, like, a movie, but, like, in the movie, like, Michael Collins, is, like, is that accurate from, like, the cinematic like rep- representation of like Collins being killed is that all accurate like like even your man the night before like in the pub whatever and is is there like is Bale the Blah like it's a little own village where there's like like say is that pub still there and is like was he up at the top of a kind of I haven't watched it in years but they were shooting obviously two groups of lads shooting down at each other like is that do you know in do you know like about that like in detail like what actually happened or um the whole movie like it's an absolutely savage movie right and i suppose they had to be a little bit historically incorrect to make a better movie you know um the ambush the actual ambush itself i suppose is not it's not wildly incorrect right no no like the lads that actually what happened was the anti-treaty ira were waiting there for collins to pass right and they had a blockage in the middle of the road and they ended up leaving because there was no sign of them so they just said here to hell with this and they left and then they sent back a group of lads to get rid of the road blockage. And that's when Michael Collins actually turned up. They were actually abandoning the whole idea. You know, they were on the way back to clear the road. And then Michael Collins's, you know, trucks actually arrived. So it was the lads that went to clear the road that actually ended up um, ambushing them. Like the whole movie is like, yeah, as I said, it's, it's a bit incorrect. But like, to be honest with you, that doesn't even bother me. You know, even like when I'm watching it, like if it makes it a better movie, then I suppose... Do you know, they had to do that because even at the start, the very start of the movie, they're at uh, the 19, it was the 1916 Easter Rising, right? And all the lads, like the, when they surrendered, they came out with the GPO, which like that didn't happen at all. They, they had left the GPO at that stage. You no, know, their their new headquarters was on Moore Street. So like in, I suppose at that stage in the movie, like that's completely wrong. But at the same time, it adds to the movie so much when you see the lads coming out with the white flag through the GPO. It makes it a better movie. Like so. Yeah, I, I don't get too hung up on that kind of thing, I suppose. Um, but yeah, no, it's a savage movie all the same. It is, yeah. No, I remember I remember Neil Jordan, who was a director or producer. I remember him coming out and kind of... Def- now, obviously, it was made in the 90s, I assume. I'm assuming it was a while ago when he was actually talking about this. But, you know, saying that it doesn't have to be all 100% correct once it's a good movie. And, like, night, like you know, the, the bare bones of it is right. You know, like, they, they got most things right. You know? But yeah. uh, was, was there many other things like that were inaccurate i'm just curious out of curiosity because i never really delved into it when i heard him talking about that some things were incorrect was there many other things like that like the thing at the start that were completely incorrect yeah there's one more interesting one as well i suppose when michael collins himself in the movie is in kilmainham jail like that never happened like michael collins was never in kilmainham jail you know after the rising he went to frongock over in wales um so that part again is wrong but at the same time you know, it kind of, it's a cool scene, you know, seeing him walking through Kilmainham Jail. It's unreal that Kilmainham Jail is in the movie, first of all. 
So uh, that part isn't right either. But at the same time, I suppose he's still in a prison, you know, so it's it's at least it's getting the story across, you know, even though it mightn't be perfect, it's still getting the story across and showing people what happens, you know. Yeah, and it does, and it paints him as a real kind of a hero in fairness, which like which he was like. Yeah. It's, uh, no, it's a class movie, fairness. And then there's like the wind that shakes the barley, which you're talking about second ago. And like Michael Collins is a lot more like cinematic and kind of like a bit more not a family movie, like, but like it's a lot more easier. Like when the shakes the barley is very fucking gruesome. Like even your yeah. man getting the fingernails taken, like it's it's intense shit. Like you know, that's yeah. it's a lot more like it's still a class movie as well. Like. Yeah, When the Shakes the Barley is definitely my favourite movie. As much as I love Michael Collins now, um, When the Shakes the Barley for me is best Irish movie ever. Absolutely love it. Probably a bit of bias in there as well for me because like I love the War of Independence and I love it specifically in the rural areas. You know, I love like learning about Cork and Tipperary and all these areas. And that's where that's kind of set, you know, out in like southwest of Ireland or that. But that's some movie. And like, yeah, as you said, like it's gruesome. Some scenes are hard to watch, but... I mean, it's important to have that as well, you know, to get the to get the story across. That's the way it went down, you know. And you come out with that movie, like, <laughs> Jesus, like it really affects you. Every time I watch that movie, even though I've seen it a thousand times, every time I come over, I'm like, Jesus, like you know, you get hyped after it nearly. It's mad, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You kind of feel like you're in the war yourself, like. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's there's is there any other. I was trying to think about this earlier. Is there any other like major like kind of movies about the about like the War of Independence or like the Easter Rising or like any? I, I couldn't really think earlier. I was looking it up, but I couldn't find any. But do you do you know if there's any other movies like that? Not major, no. There's no major movies about the War of Independence or 1916 except Col- Michael Collins and um, The Wind That Shakes the Barley. There is some other smaller series and stuff you can see on YouTube that are actually really good and they've no views on them at all. Um, I can't even think of the name of it now. There's one in nine, on 1916 and it goes through all of the leaders of the Rising and shows you their life, like as in just the before the Rising happened, during the Rising and after it. It's called 1916, The Rising, and then like each individual person's name. Like there's one on Joseph Plunkett. There's one on Patrick Pierce. Um, I think there's one on Tomas McDonough as well. They're really good now on YouTube. But uh, yeah, as I said, there's no views on them. It's wild, yeah. Well, isn't it? Yeah, because yeah, I know there was one thing. Um, Rebellion was on a few years ago. That was a thing on RT. I think fucking Brian Gleason was in it and a few lads like that. That was on RT. That was a bit of a series. And then there was another thing. It was actually like, I don't know, did you ever see this? But it was kind of like a, it was a bit of a piss take thing on a TG Carr. It was like a lad who was like teleported back to the rising and he was just a random lad from like, you know, today, like, and right. uh, he was just kind of teleported back into it. Like, and Parry Pierce is walking up to him and all these fuckers and he doesn't know where, like, you know, he knows where he is, but he's like, just shot. I think, yeah, it's fairly sure it was on TG Carr. So yeah, it was gas in Paris. Just, just a different spin on it that you wouldn't expect him to, to do for the rising. You know, it's always usually really serious. Like you wouldn't think they'd make a, a comedy thing out of it. Like, yeah, yeah. I've never seen that, actually. But like, I, I suppose the biggest problem now, right, the biggest problem now with these Irish movies about the War of Independence in 1916 is Michael Collins and The Wind That Shakes the Barley. They absolutely killed it. Like, they're such good movies. Like, how can you outdo them? Do you know what I mean? Like, I'd love nothing more now than another movie to come out. But how do you outdo them two movies? Do you know what I mean? They're just so good. I think that's the problem. 
Yeah, it is. Yeah, no, it's it, they are they're serious movies. Like, and there's nothing really like even all the other things like I, like you know a lot more than this than me. I would know the bare bones of all this, but like even like the 1798 rebellion and stuff like that. There would have been now maybe they would. I don't know. I'm sure, would they've had would they have had as much to you know in the movie as the likes of the War of Independence or whatever, like the Wind of Chase Barley and Michael Collins. But um, I feel like there's not there's not many like they're the only two real movies like for what was it fucking 700 year struggle i would have thought there'd be more but maybe maybe there wasn't like even at the start when the brits actually invaded i don't know i would have now maybe maybe there obviously is a reason that there wasn't anything made on that so look you'd obviously know more about that than me why but yeah i don't think there is like as far as i know there's no i just i guess there's definitely not any movies on 1798 but it would be unbelievable do you know, because you imagine like even all the outfits and the uniforms that they wore and all the pikemen, like it'd be an absolutely savage movie. You could nearly make it like in the style of like Braveheart or something, maybe yeah. like, you know what I mean? It'd be unreal. I, I just don't know, is there the market there for it, you know? It's hard to know, really. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Whenever I think of um, uh, like any, whenever I'm looking at any Irish movies or when I'm looking at your like page or any kind of Irish history page, I always think of like, nationalism and like have have people kind of lost a bit of it like it's definitely not as like intense like you know we don't have anyone invading us now so we probably don't have to be as you know like get out of our fucking country or anything like that but um do you think we've lost a bit of the that kind of intense nationalism that like the lads before would have had like i think so yeah like probably i I think that's just going to keep happening with future generations going on i suppose you know because even like, you remember, you know, when you're like a young fella, you'd meet loads of like random outlads in the pub or whatever, and they'd be real Republican and, you know, telling you stories and whatnot. Like, I think, I hope it doesn't now, but I think that'll fade away in time, unfortunately, you know, because even I think people are probably like probably have less interest in history now anyway, I suppose, because like when our parents, they were growing up, obviously they didn't live through these times, but they were still very close to it. You know, they were only about maybe 50 years off, whereas we are 100 years off like now. Do you know what I mean? So I suppose for them, it, it was uh, things that happened like very, very recently. So I suppose they had to know about it. It wasn't a long time ago. Do you know what I mean? Like sure, Ireland only became a republic in like 1949. Do you know what I mean? So as we get further and further away, I suppose the interest would probably become less and less. For example, like 1798, we're talking about, right? That's 200 years ago. And people have less interest in that than, say, 1916, because 1916 is more recent. I think, I don't know. Like, I, I think it's because it's more recent that people have more interest in it. And I'd imagine, like, in another 50 years, people will be less interested again. I, I hope I'm completely wrong here now, but, like, I, I probably see it going that way, unfortunately. And I suppose that's why, like, a big part of my channel then as well, I suppose, is to show kids especially I suppose not kids but like younger like teenagers or whatever that Irish history is actually really really interesting even if you don't like it in school like it is actually brilliant you know I didn't even do history for my leaving cert like do you know what I mean I I just didn't want to do it um I just preferred learning things myself so like you know it, it really is brilliant like to see like younger people coming along now especially and being like geez do you know what Irish history is actually deadly do you know <laughs> it's brilliant so hopefully you can keep that going I suppose that's why social media is so important now as well, you know, because it's a new way of learning. Like a lot of people don't want to learn from books now. They'd rather videos or whatever, you know? Yeah. And it's the same with the language as well. Like the language is kind of, is, um, 
he's he's died. He's, I suppose been dying for ages. Like I don't know. Is it? Um, in fairness, like, there is a lot of people like making an effort to try and like keep it alive and stuff. But um, it's very it's very tough when it's it's like it's kind of like people obviously kind of as kind of like a meaningless language because obviously it's great to know it, but it doesn't really have like I like talking Irish. I hate one thing I fucking hated was when you had to write essays and all this kind of structured shit. It's like you talk about history. I'd love if you could just look at a history book and just not have a, this pressure doing the exam. And I just, I just like, like, you know, reading and there's no pressure. You can just read a bit and just taking a bit of information as you go. But it's like that with the Irish. Like I just love learn and stuff like that. And just taking in bits of, you know, even the, the quirky little words, like, um, what was, can't remember what I was thinking the other day, but, um, maybe, I don't know. Maybe the problem is that people don't like, that's the first thing people say to me is like, um, like, why don't you keep a few bits of Irish going? Or like, why don't you just fucking say it? Like, just try and keep it going a bit. And they're like, oh, sure, I don't need it for anything. Like, would I not just learn German or French or something instead? So that's mm. probably what will end up being its downfall in the end, that it doesn't really have any use. Like, It's such a sickener, like, isn't it? Like, I'm the prime example of this now, like, because I loved Irish in school. I was really good at it as well, because like, I loved it. Straight after school then, 18, finished up, dropped Irish completely, forgot everything nearly and uh it was only a few years ago i was like oh sick it do you know what i mean i was like why did i do that um and i've started relearning it over the past few years even i'm learning stuff that i knew before do you know what i mean which is just, it's a sickener when you're like 26 or 7 and you're learning irish and you're like i was i was better at this when i was 18 you know and it's a dose and like yeah as you said like you don't have a huge amount of use for it which is true but i suppose it's still you just have to be you just have to really want to do it, I guess, you know, like what the reason I really got back into it is because I suppose, number one, I have a few friends that are fluent in Irish. And when I'm around then, I'm just so jealous. Do you know what I mean? Because they're chatting away like I don't even know what they're saying half the time. I'm just sick and looking at them. I'm like, Jesus, I wish I could be part of that, you know, and like it'd be unreal as well. Like, you know, as you get older, when you when you meet someone that's older and they're fluent in Irish, like it's so impressive, whether it's you have a huge amount of use for it or not. I suppose is the is the is the problem when you don't have have a lot of use for it, but it is actually so important and it's so impressive to meet someone that's older, finished school and all that, and they're still good at Irish, you know, because you know they've put a lot of effort into it. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I love going, I love going out to the west then and hearing people talk Irish as well, like even out in Connemara and they've like they're little, and uh, like you could be really good at I always say this like you could be really good at Irish, but then a different dialect it sounds like a different fucking language. Like. Yeah, I was, I was never in Donegal, but you ever like, Joe, you know when you're doing like the uh, thing for your leaving, sort of like the the listening, I can't remember it in Irish, that's the cat. But uh, when you're doing that, and it's like it genuinely a Donegal lad would act like anyone who's done the listen in Irish, a Donegal lad does actually sound like he's speaking another language. Like, and you look at the word, like they give you the script of it as well. It's just half the words are different. But like when you go out, that's when you go out to the West or Donegal or any of them real Gaelic talk areas, it does kind of give you a bit of a bug to yeah. want to get a bit of Irish back into you. Like, it is funny, yeah, because they speak completely different. Like, even, like, down here, just even to say hello, like, we'd say, dear grits. And then my my friends that are fluent in Irish, right, they actually all speak Connacht Welga, and they'd come up to you and say, oh, khaki will too. And, like, for ages, I was like, what are you actually saying? Like, I knew he was saying hello, but it's like, what are you even, what are those words like? Because they're completely different. Like, we wouldn't learn that down here at all, you know? So it is gas, yeah, when you have different dialects, they control you completely. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's part of the nationalism thing. I think um, you know to know a bit of Irish, like you know, I um, I don't mind not being fluent around. I just like to be kind of semi-fluent, you know, be able to hold a conversation with someone 
yeah. you know, speaks hard. But uh, yeah, I'd like to think, I'd like to think um, I'm a decent enough Republican, like, you know, that like to haven't forgot, like, it's always in the back of my mind, like, you know, to get the, you know, just hoping we get to 32 counties and like, I, I don't know, I, I don't really know, will it come soon? But like, you'd like to think, you'd like to think it doesn't go on another generate or another, like, it's not after our lifetime, it does happen. Yeah. We get to see it, like. Yeah, yeah, it's mad. Yeah, it, it, I have no idea like if it's going to happen or not. But one thing I do hope, like I really hope this happens now, and I have a fear that it, it might not. But I hope there's a huge, like, massive celebration for this. You know, like it, it kind of reminded me of like when Ireland became a republic. Then back in 1949, there's a picture right of the just at O'Connell's Bridge there in Dublin, and it, it, I don't know how many people were there, but like you can't see an empty space. There's just so many people. It looked like an unbelievable celebration. And I hope it's something like that. And I, f- I fear that it probably won't be. I don't know why, but uh, yeah, I, I hope if it does happen now, there's some sort of huge event like and the whole country takes part. Yeah, you'd hope so. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what everyone feels like down in this, like, um, Joe, down in the like existing Republic. Because a lot of people kind of say, like a lot of people I talk to, especially younger people, like you know, you think everyone would be like, Oh, yeah, geez, yeah, I love that. Like, I don't I'd fucking take your hand off for the Republic, like, or I don't for the 32 county Republic. Like. But a lot of people are kind of like, Oh, I could take it or leave it. Like, I don't really fucking mind the way it is. And there's a lot of, there's actually a big thing, like, where uh, um, this thing with the Nordies, like, as if they're a different nationality sometimes. People are like, Oh, yeah, they're a bit, geez, I don't know now how that'd go. And like, they're a bit fucking rougher, aren't they? People say that a lot, and that's kind of creeping into this generation i think and i don't know i don't know why that is but i've noticed people say i don't know why just in the last few months when i've been i was talking about it to a few people they're just kind of just a few throwaway comments like that so i don't um, i'd like to think that's not how everyone thinks but it's a few people think like that anyway yeah i suppose yeah i suppose there's so much controversy wasn't there like back when the treaty was signed after the war of independence like and the country split like there's so much controversy about that. Like, it's fair rough times, like, and I suppose that still hasn't been resolved, you know, like 100 years later, still hasn't been resolved. So it's hard to know. I wonder, like, if if we get, like, the 32 counties and Ireland becomes a full republic of 32 counties, will that all fade away or will it stay? It's hard to know. It really is. Yeah, it's a weird subject, isn't it? Yeah, it is, yeah. And then, like, would there be backlash from, like, some, la- like, the likes of the unionist groups and, like, would there, like... It's hard to know, like, it, like, I can't see them being too happy about it, like, a lot of them, um, like, you know, the real, like, very, very strong unionist groups, so. Mm. Yeah, but you just like to think, like, the polls kind of suggest that, like, it is, like, there is more people who would want it in the in the six counties than don't want it, but you never really know, like. It's a tough one, yeah, because even if there's more that want it that don't want it, then what happens if it comes through and all the people that don't want it, sure, they're going to, yeah, like going to be very unhappy. Do you know what I mean? So what do then people do then? Do you know, it's it is yeah, it's such a it's such a weird like difficult situation. Like, isn't it? yeah. Um, were you, would you be like um anti-treaty or pro-treaty? Would you have any thoughts on that? Or um, yeah, it's, it's such a difficult topic. Um, I'd be both to be honest with you. Like I've. There's pros and cons, I suppose, to both, Jack you know, anyway, but like I'd support both of them equally, just about equally. I if I had to say like who I'm 
I don't want to say in favor of, but who are more interested in, as in like, I studied the anti-treaty IRA probably a bit more, a lot more, in fact, than the pro-treaty or the National Army. Um, regardless of what side either of them were on, they were all Republicans like, do you know what I mean? I, I remember my father <laughs> said to me when I was younger, I was watching um, a documentary on the Civil War or something, you know, the day in the forecourts when the National Army attacked it and the anti-treaty were in there. And I, I was only a young fellow at the time. And I was like, like, you know, I was like, the National Army, just scumbags, do you know what I mean? My father said, they actually nearly gave out to me. He was like, it doesn't matter if they're anti-treaty or pro-treaty, they're all Republicans. They just had a different point of view of how to get there. They were all Republicans, like, never forget that. And he gave out to me for it. And that, I'll never forget that moment, like, you know. Um, but yeah, like, they were all, every single one of them, sure, are absolute heroes, do you know what I mean? Um, it's a horrible time. And sure, like, it was brought on, do you know what I mean? The whole thing was intentional with the treaty. I think they saw, I think they knew what was coming, do you know? Sure, they they gave the national army the artillery, like do you know what I mean, to attack the four courts. So it was just just an absolute nightmare, you know. It's not spoken about a huge amount actually, which is fair, I suppose. But like, it really should be, you know. Can't forget about it either. Even no matter how difficult the time it was, can't forget about it. It's a really important part in our history as well, you know. Yeah, yeah. It was a very kind of sad way for it to kind of end. Like yeah. we'd kind of. We hadn't really got what we wanted. Like we had kind of got a bit of what. No, obviously we, you know, defeated the Brits, and then we didn't really get the thirty-two counties, and then there was probably a cloud hanging over that. It's just a pity the way, you know, after everyone fighting together for years, and then just the whole country is cut in two. Like, did you ever, did your outlet ever say any stories about like, like maybe from his outlet, like just about communities being, you know, turned against each other or? like that or did you ever hear stories from anyone about civil war um a few yeah nothing from um nothing from my father actually specifically but i just heard a few stories from people online and that kind of thing yeah like even like family splitting do you know what i mean like brothers or cousins or uncles and, and nephews and this kind of thing it's just mental it's just a actually crazy crazy time now i i suppose a lot of the time like I suppose geographically on the map of Ireland, like you can point out areas that were mostly anti-treaty and places that were mostly pro-treaty. So at least that was a bit of a, a help, I suppose, family-wise. But like, no, there were still divides, like still divides in, in families in certain areas. It's, it's wild. Yeah. yeah. Um, what's a, what's an IRA tour? I was just looking at your story there this morning. What's a, what's that? There, yeah, somebody asked me, what's the best IRA tour? And I just... There, there isn't really any good ones, do you know what I mean? Because it's different with 1916, right? You can go up to Dublin and you can see all the places, like. But the War of Independence is the whole country. So there's no way of really doing an IRA tour. You'd have to drive around the whole country, do you know? You could do one in each county, like you could do one in Cork, or you could do one in Dublin or whatever. You could do that, right? But uh, I, I would have loved to do some sort of tours with people to bring them around and show them, like, ambush spots and all that kind of thing like an IRA tour, War of Independence tour. But sure, you'd be driving all day, you know, to do all the ambush spots. There's no way you could do it. So that, yeah, that was just somebody asking me, is there any tours for that kind of thing? But like, I mean, to do the whole a proper tour, you couldn't really do it, you know, because that's the thing about the War of Independence. It was the whole country. So you'd have to just nail it down to one county and do it that way, which wouldn't be, it would be still really good, like, but you know, you'd want to see the whole shebang, really. Yeah, you would, yeah. Um, what's this thing you're doing over in uh, Iowa, by the way? I just saw, I saw that as well. I was just looking through the story. Uh, yeah, I'm going to Iowa next week, actually. I'm flying into Chicago 
next Tuesday, next Wednesday. And then I'm going over with a band called Shaolin. They're an Irish band. And they're playing a gig in Chicago in the Irish American Heritage Center. And then after that gig, we're driving through the night and going over to Iowa. And I'm doing three workshops there. So there's, it's a music festival called Iowa Irish Fest, three-day music festival. Um, I'm doing a workshop Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And they're Irish rebel songs workshops, right? So basically what I'm going to be doing is taking you from one period in Irish history, right? And bringing you all the way, like a few years later to another period. And for each like major event that happens, I'm going to give you a rebel song. Say for like 1916, I'll give you like a rebel song from 1916. And then War of Independence, I'll give you a rebel song from then. You know, it's, it's really cool, like, because you're getting the whole story of say Ireland's revolutionary period, but then you're also learning what the songs, all these famous rebel songs are about. Do you know, it's really cool. Now I've done a few of them so far. It's great crack. Um, so looking forward to that now. It'll be deadly. Well, that's class. That's class to be asked to that though, isn't it? Just shows there's lads listening all over or watching all their videos all over the place. Yeah, it's nuts. Yeah, because I, I didn't know any of the people over there. I had no connection with them. I just, uh, just they saw my social media, I suppose, and sent me an email and uh, asked me to go to the States. And I was like, definitely. <laughs> I want to go to the States as much as I can. I love going over it. You know, it's it's so much fun over there. Like, it, ideally, now, what I'd like to turn this into is go over to the States every year and maybe go over for a month, you know, and do a good few workshops all around different places. Like, that's that's the dream right there. Like, Yeah. As well as that, like, everyone in America wants to be Irish. Like, you know, that's, that's such a big thing. Like, you know, yeah. so there's definitely a market for it, like. There's a huge market for it, right? Because you have so many people, like Irish Americans, right? You know, people with Irish heritage. And they don't learn Irish history in school over there. So, you know, like, unless they actually go out and read a book on it, like, they're not going to know anything. You know, unless you actually do your due diligence yourself and learn it, you're, you're not going to know anything naturally. So that's why there's a huge market over there for it. Like, and not just America, like, you have Canada as well, huge Irish uh, percentage of Irish people over there then you have Australia the UK as well it's all over the world really so it's actually the market out there for Irish history is massive now which is deadly like you know yeah uh the last thing I'll ask you is um what's like the biggest thing you've learned from uh like studying Irish history oh the biggest thing I've learned how complex it is (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's actually wild right so it's only in the last while I've been going back like way back back to the 1100s right in Irish history because like you know that term like 800 years of oppression and stuff you've been hearing it since you're a child but like I suppose it's important to know what that's about as well you know what was happening 800 years ago you know, and that stuff is really interesting. So the 1100s really kind of blew my mind more than anything, you know, like what's really cool. I never knew this until I started studying the 1100s, but like Ireland was made up of kingdoms, right? Made up of about 100, 250 kingdoms. And it was broken down into five provinces. So you had Leinster, Munster, Connacht, Ulster, and Mead. Mead was its own province back then. And then each province had a king and all those kings, those five kings, they were competing against each other to be the high king of Ireland. And the king of Leinster, of all places, our hometown, <laughs> or our home province, the king of Leinster lost his position on the throne, right? <clears throat> and he got exiled from Ireland. So he went over to France to King Henry II to try and get help to regain his position as king. King Henry turned him down. So he went over to England next and uh, he approached the Anglo-Normans. 
Um, he offered him 200,000 acres in Wexford. He said, I'll give you all this land in Wexford if you come over and help me and fight with me to get my position back as king. And they did. They accepted it. So they arrived on over. Um, Dermot McMurrah and the Anglo-Normans, about 400 of them or that, um, arrived in 1169 and they started fighting the Irish then to regain his position as king of Leinster. Do you know, So Dermot McMurrah, king of Leinster, actually brought the Anglo-Normans to Ireland. You know, so that's wild to learn that. That was probably the thing that blew my mind the most now because it wasn't technically an invasion, I suppose, because he invited them. He went over, he brought them over with him, like, you know, that was one of the biggest mistakes ever in Irish history, you know, and that's when the initial invasion started. Oh, right. And was there like a part where he was like, right, lads, you can go now, like, you want me to fight or you want me to, or sure, he was giving them the land, sure, fuck it, yeah. Yeah, and then the problem was, like, thousands more Anglo-Normans came in. You know, a Strongbow, he arrived on with an army of about 1,200 men, Richard de Clare. He actually wasn't known as Strongbow, but anyway, it's the easiest way of um, calling them. Then he arrived on over, right? And as the Anglo-Normans were conquering Ireland, King Henry of England was like, oh, Jesus, this is a disaster now because the Anglo-Normans are taking over Ireland, and that's my next-door neighbour. They're going to control the Irish Sea and interfere with England. So he went over with a huge army, 4,000 men, and he persuaded Strongbow to allow him to be like Lord of Ireland, to like give the land to him. And for some reason he did. So now King Henry II is Lord of Ireland, right? And this is the first English king to ever come to Ireland. That's when it really, really kicked off. Jesus. Yeah, I never knew that. Wild. It's wild. <laughs> because I think everyone just has it in their head that like the fucking Normans just came or they all just kind of came over one day, right? fuck the Irish will come over and invade the place. That's, yeah. just, that's just what I, I never even questioned it. Like Now, to be honest, like, yeah, it's all, Dermot McMurray kicked it off because he went over and invited him. Now, it probably would have happened anyway, like, to being realistic, like, it definitely would have happened anyway. They would have definitely, if they conquered England, they were definitely going to pick Ireland next, you know? But, you know, Dermot McMurray did initiate it, yeah. Jesus Christ. Learn something new every day. Wild, isn't it? Yeah. It's wild, yeah. He's not a very uh, liked man now in Irish history. No, I can't. I can't imagine so. Jesus Christ, could have saved us a lot of hassle. Like, wouldn't have you? Wouldn't be on this at all if it wasn't for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jesus, that was that was the thing that blew my mind the most. I think the eleven hundreds are mad, but not not only the eleven hundreds, but eleven hundreds to the fifteen hundreds, because that's all kind of one period in a way. But yeah, that's wild. And where where's the best place to read about that? I kind of want to start reading up about that. About that specifically. Yeah. Um, I've been listening to podcasts on it and I've been listening, I've been reading stuff on the internet and the archives and that kind of thing. I usually read books for all my information because I just prefer it. I think it's more like correct. Do you know what I mean? It's definitely more reliable because you can pick a historian that you like. But I haven't come across any really good books on the Anglo-Norman times yet. There must be out there, but I haven't got one yet. But like if you wanted to learn about Irish history online I would say Larkin Collins Larkin Collins is brilliant like he has like a podcast and his books are unreal as well I just got his the first um book I got off him I only got it there about two weeks ago and it's probably the best book I've ever read what's it about uh the war of independence it's class and I've read I don't know how many books at this stage on the war of independence but like his one is the best it's unreal Jesus don't get Larkin Collins he said Larkin Collins, yeah, and it's a book on the War of Independence. It's it's savage. Oh, geez, I love to look into that. Now. Um, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I want to get into that. Do you know the way you get a bug for something? You kind of just start 
hearing big you know, just bits of stories and even looking at your page and bits of other stuff yeah i want to look into that that'd be good mm. um yeah have you anything, anything else to add before i let you go or uh, I don't really, I suppose. Um, the big thing on my mind now is off to the States next week, yeah, uh, to do workshops. I'm going to be doing the workshops over here in Ireland as well. I haven't any huge plan for it, if I'm completely honest. I, I've thought about it a lot, but I haven't come to any conclusions yet. I might try, like, maybe do them in schools, or I might do private events, or I might just start doing them online, do you know? At least online, you don't have to be in a specific place, because I live in Kilkenny, like, do you know what I mean? So I'm not sure it would be a huge market there for it. So doing it online might be better because you can get people from all over the country or all over the world involved. But there'll be a lot more workshops to come in the in the near future. Yeah. Solid. Yeah. Well, that, that's a good idea. Like there's there's a bit there is a I'd imagine there's a market for it. definitely in schools anyway. I'd say so. Yeah. Yeah. I never imagined myself now going into a school teaching, but uh, I suppose there must be a market for it there. You know, there has to be, I suppose. Yeah. 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 The only worry yeah. there, I suppose, is would they want me doing it, you know, because like what I teach is graphic enough, I suppose. So it's hard to know if schools would actually want me in there, you know. So I, I don't know. I have to look into that. Oh, is it graphic? If you, well, like, I mean, no, it's not. It's not too bad. But at the same time, it is stuff you don't learn in school, you know. Um, so I don't know. Would that be, would that go against me, you know, because I'm kind of teaching them stuff that they don't need for their leaving search necessarily. You know, so it's it's hard to know. I'll have to look into it, but it'd be interesting for them, anyways, regardless. 